Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain. Uh, today's subject matter is crucial uh, to everything that we do and especially everything that we say. Uh, the subject matter is going to be uh, So Speak. And, uh, Pastor, I'm reminded that, that uh, you know, we have many different vocations in life. Um, motivational speakers have to speak a certain way, don't they? Uh, yes, they do. And uh, politicians speak a certain way. That's for sure. And, uh, of course, uh, psychiatrists and psychologists and doctors and lawyers, and in almost every vocation, we're trained to speak a certain way. Uh, in order to be effective and in order to be uh, uh, professional, uh, we're trained to speak a certain way. And it, it reminds me that as Christians, we also have an admonition to speak a certain way. And uh, I, I, I'm really happy that you're with us today to uh, kind of uh, let us know uh, more pointedly how we as Christians are to speak in our daily in our daily lives and our daily dealings with with everybody we come across. So, with that introduction, um, please take it away and let us know how to so speak. Okay, uh, sure will. Uh, just uh, by way of uh, more introduction, uh, I'm doing I do a series of articles, and they're going to be on podcasts in, in weeks to come. Uh, all starting with the word so. Right. Now, it'll be so speak today, and then later on it'll be so run, and then it'll be so walk, uh, then it'll be so uh, forgive, and everything. Now, the reason we started with the word so, and uh, the word so in our language has uh, has two letters. I mean, uh, you, you can't misspell it. Uh, the word so has only two letters. But do you know, if you look in the, the Webster's New World Dictionary, um, there's a 21 lines of definition wow. for what this word so actually means. Little little word um, with big meaning. Yeah. Um, and, and now for the, for the purpose of the, uh, of the following article and, and others to follow, uh, we'll use the following definition of the word so. It means in such a way or in like manner. Mm -hmm. For example, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And, and we could rightly say by definition that God loved the world in such a way, in such a manner, that he gave his only begotten Son. Yeah. So uh, that, that's how we're going to use the word <laughs> so. Now, with that said, um, the springboard for this article is a statement uh, I, I've, that's found in John 7, 46. Mm -hmm. So if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, John chapter 7. But before we get there, uh, I thought it wise to read, as I read, chapters 5 and 6 of John's Gospel. And if you do that, uh, you'll understand better uh, John seven forty six. 
Now, now in these two chapters, we see Jesus doing miracles and teaching. In John chapter 5, Jesus heals a man at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. Right. He feeds 5,000 in Galilee okay. uh, with, uh, in chapter 6 with just a couple of loaves and fishes. Mm-hmm. Then he walks on the water, on the stormy waters of uh, the Sea of Galilee, and you're familiar with that, where Peter yes. jumped out of the boat and said, If it be thou, bid me come to thee upon the waters. And Jesus said, Come to me. And, and, she, and Peter walked. But yes. when he saw the waves, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, he sunk, and then Jesus pulled him up out of the water. Now, in each of these two chapters, John 5 and 6, we read, and, and if you read them, you'll see that many, many sought to take him and to kill him. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think there are a couple of times when I preached and people would like to take me out bad back and break, broken my kneecaps. <laughs> but uh, that's for that's for another time. What we what we're trying to do now. Let me let me just um, pause for a minute. What we're trying to do, if you're listening to this podcast, we're not doing this for fame or fortune. Uh, I'm 80 years old at this point, and I'm too young to get either one. And even if I wanted it, and I don't. But here's what we want to do. We want to um, educate, edify, and encourage believers in Jesus Christ. And if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, we would like to have you um, uh, come to faith and be saved. Amen. Okay. Okay. So Jesus is doing all these miracles. He's preaching. Um, John chapter 7 begins with these words. After these things... That is, chapters 5 and 6. Jesus goes to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, but he goes secretly mm-hmm. because the Jews thought to kill him. Right. And it wasn't that he was afraid to die. It's just it wasn't his time yet. Now, in the midst of the feast, about the midpoint of it's in the Feast of Tabernacles is a week-long uh, feast of the Jews. So in the midst of the feast, Jesus then appears in the temple. And he begins teaching. Mm-hmm. And he draws a large crowd. There are people there for the feast, of course. And his teaching causes com- commotion and controversy and, and divisions, during which the people wanted to take him and kill him. Yeah. But no one laid hands on him. Mm-hmm. He was, he was uh, protected by his father. Yes. For, because it wasn't his time yet. That's right. Now... When this commotion was then reported to the Pharisees, uh, they, along with the chief priests, decided to send officers to the temple to uh, to take Jesus, to arrest Jesus, to bring him in. And, and so the officers, uh, being dutiful, said they went to the temple, and, and they hear some of the teaching and preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then they come back, empty-handed <laughs> oops yep. now we come upon John seven forty-five. then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees and the Pharisees and chief priests said unto them and said why have you not brought him yeah now I love what the officers answered 
<laughs> in John 7:46, and in my opinion, this is one of the most profound statements that mortal man has ever made or might ever be able to make. That's right. The officers answered, never man spake like this man. Wow. Powerful. Yeah, wow. Powerful statement. They were, yeah, they were greatly impressed with well, not only what Jesus was saying, but, but how he was saying it. That's right. And Jesus' speech was not only like that then, but every time we read how he spoke, we can hear him speaking like that now. Yes. And, and Curtis, this got me to be wondering, how should my speech be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it was that important to be in the Bible and to be said by men who probably were lost, what should my speech be like? Right. Well, now as I researched this article, I must tell you something, that I came under conviction, I came under conviction many, many times as I mm -hmm. went through the scriptures. Yeah. Now, let me give you a little background, and you know most of this, and I'm going to include you in this in just a minute, so... Uh, hitch up your britches. <laughs> okay. Uh, no. Okay. Uh oh, now I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Uh, I, I was a pretty tough dad, wasn't I? Uh, at times, yeah. Yeah, okay. But I, I just go back to my childhood. I was raised by very, very godly parents, and you know that. Yes, sir. I, I remember very clearly something that my mom would say to me quite often, and I, and I want to. Uh, uh, emphasize quite often and she said this you watch your mouth young man mm -hmm. can you hear mom saying that oh can you yeah. hear grandma saying yeah, I sure now, can yep she was only about five foot tall but boy yeah she could you, you knew when she meant yeah. business man yeah yeah came a warning mm -hmm. she would say I'll wash your mouth out with soap mm -hmm. and, and, and she would mm -hmm. and she, uh, I may have been the only kid in the neighborhood that knows what soap tasted like <laughs> <laughs> but that, see that's not the end of it then my godly father and he was I'm telling you he's with the Lord and so is mom right now but, but he would come home from work and then he would apply the Board of Education to my seat of understanding. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you get the drift, don't oh, you? Oh, I, indeed I do. Dad had a yardstick that was real thick. They made them thick in those days. And um, uh, most of the time I got spanked through my pants, but sometimes he wanted me to take my drawers down. Mm -hmm. And he bent me over the bed and he said, and you keep your keep your hands away from your rear end. And he'd give me three or four good ones. Yeah. Now, understand this. My parents knew how destructive and divisive and so forth that my mouth, my lips, mm -hmm. my tongue yep. could, how, how they could be uh, that way if left undisciplined. That's right. Now, the scriptures tell us something troubling and terrible uh, and terrible about the human tongue and how despicable and dastardly and deceitful and destructive it can be. That's right. Now, so 
let's start with uh, uh, third chapter of the book of James. Now, oh, yeah. this chapter is pri- yeah, yeah. This this chapter is primarily about controlling the tongue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to say some things, but uh, it won't be me saying it. It'll be God's word saying it, and the Holy Spirit uh, emphasizing it. And so. Uh, in James chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, it said, Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Mm-hmm. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Yeah. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on the fire of hell. Wow. Recently, recently there have been a lot of forest fires out in California, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, all of those fires, they don't start with a, with the uh, Holocaust. They start with a spark. That's right. And by the way, your our tongue is a little spark, a little flame. Mm-hmm. But it sets on course. On, it sets, sets on fire the course of nature, and it's set on fire of hell. James 3, 5, and 6. Then go, verse 8 says this, But the tongue no man can tame. Well, who's going to tame it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you got to turn it over to God. That's right. The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. And in verse 10, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. Mm-hmm. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bible talks about double-tongued people. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Um, you know, a lot of people are mugwumps with regard to their tongue. They got their mug on one side of the fence and their wump on the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... But let's look at some more things that um, uh, that the Bible says about, uh, before I get into how we should speak, uh, the book of Proverbs uh, mentions the tongue quite frequently, and I'm just going to give you a few of these verses for your perusal. In, in Proverbs 12, verse 22, it says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Yeah. Now, what's the difference between hatred and abomination? Mm. Well, hatred is, is just what it is me it was just what it says abomination means extreme or the highest form of hatred so lying lips are an abomination to the lord right. proverbs sixteen twenty seven says the ungodly man diggeth up evil and in his lips there is as burning fire wow, wow. and then some of you are familiar with proverbs 6 it says these six things doth the lord hate Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Now, here's the list. Listen to it. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord unto the brethren. There's, there's seven things there, but two of them are about your mouth, That's right. your tongue, your lips. Yep. By the way, I love reading the prophet Jeremiah. Um, 
It's really awesome when you read Jeremiah 23, but what led up to Jeremiah 23? Uh, Jeremiah was not immune to the tongue attack. He was a faithful preacher of the Word of God. He went where God told him to go. He said what God told him to say. Mm-hmm. And said in Jeremiah 18, 18, I have this underlined in several of my study Bibles because I've been there. It says this, Then said they, the people, mm-hmm. Come and let us devise devices against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us smite him with the tongue. With the tongue. And let us not give heed to any of his words. Wow. Curtis, you know I've been in the ministry a lot of years. Yes, sir. I've preached, I've preached a lot of sermons. I've taught a lot of Sunday school classes. Yes, sir. I've taught a lot of home Bible studies. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that through all of those years, I've been attacked many, many times. Nobody's hit me in the mouth. But they always attack me with the tongue. Oh, yeah. 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 And that's the way it goes. And Jeremiah knew quite well because that's what they said. Let's smite him with the tongue. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're not going to hit him with an anvil uh, or anything, but it, but the worst thing we can do, smite him with the tongue. Yep. Now, yeah, and then King David, he knew right well how nasty the tongue could be. And and here's what he prayed in Psalm 141, verse 3. And and I keep, I keep this going time and time again in my mind. He said... Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Mm-hmm. Keep the door of my lips. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, Curtis, that, that we believers would pray this often. Yes, sir. So, have, have you, you've heard a lot of stuff on how nasty and uh, the tongue can be, how wicked it can be, how fiery it can be, divisive and all that stuff. So, now, dear believer, and I think we're talking mostly to believers, what should our speech be like as we audibly present the, the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ? How should it be in our home Uh-oh. or in the church mm-hmm. to our neighbors? Well, thankfully, the Bible gives us the answer. There are nine things that are going to follow here, and uh, I don't know how quickly I'm going to get through them. I probably won't take the whole hour this time, which will give us time to talk about uh, Saturday's, our next Tuesday's um, lesson. Oh, yeah. You don't mind. No, no, I don't mind at all. I think it's a good idea. Okay. So how should our speech be? Number one, our speech should be scriptural speech. Right. Uh, More times than my mom said, you watch your mouth, young man, she would say, Dickie, and don't anybody else call me that, all right? <laughs> Dickie, the Bible is the Word of God. And then she'd read me something from the Word of God. Dickie, the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, and Mom and Dad made sure that we heard the Scriptures every day from their mouths. As did my Mom and Dad. That's right. Your Mom and Dad did, too. Yes. And so here's what the Apostle said to the church at Rome. He said, for what saith the scripture? Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, Paul's, I, Paul said that four times. He said it in Romans chapter 4, verse 3. Mm-hmm. said it in Galatians 4, 30. He said it once in the book of Genesis and, and another time in the book of James. For what saith the scripture? Mm-hmm. 
right. And 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 you've known me for how old are you now? Fifty nine. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, you've known me for fifty nine years, and uh, you've heard me preach, you've heard me teach, and I do it always under the banner of, for what saith the Scripture. Absolutely. Our speech should be scriptural speech. He told Timothy, his young pastor, uh, and in Timothy, Second Timothy, Second Timothy four two. Timothy is told to preach the word. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. So that his speech would be scriptural. That's right. So that people, and I've said this time and again. I'm going to say it again. Don't believe things because I say it. Believe me when God says it. That's right. Preach the word. Now in Matthew chapter 4, boy, I, I live in that chapter because I'm uh, researching another article entitled, Did God, Did God Dictate His Word? Mm-hmm. But here's Jesus. He's in, he's in the wilderness, and he went out in the, in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And, uh, and then he was there for 40 days, and he became hungry because he had fasted for 40 days. Right. And he was not only God, but he was also human. That's right. Only person there ever was like that. Mm-hmm. And so the devil knew that he was hungry. And so he comes to Jesus three different times, the devil tempted him. And Jesus answered all three of these temptations by saying, it is written. Okay. And in Matthew 4, 4, he's, he's told Satan. Satan said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Jesus said, it is written. He was giving him scriptural speech. He says, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, where else was this written then? Well, uh, for your uh, information, it was in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 3, when Mm -hmm. Peter was telling them why they got manna in the wilderness, Mm -hmm. he says, here's why you got it. He said, so that you may know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Mm -hmm. Our speech should be scriptural speech. On this podcast and uh, in our churches, and I know you've taught Sunday school there at West Sherman. Yes, sir. And And in Luke 24... Jesus appears to two people walking from Jerusalem. They were going back to Emmaus. They had been in Jerusalem, and and they had witnessed the trial and crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they were believers. That's right. Uh, but, and they were going back to their home, the two of them, uh, and one of them's name was Cleopas, and we're not given the name of the other one. And they were going to Emmaus, which was about between seven and eight miles from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're walking seven or eight miles, it's going to take you a good hour or so, isn't it? Yeah, you got some time. Yeah. And so they were hearing, they had been hearing that Jesus was alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were scratching their heads over this. Now, Jesus appeared to them while they were walking. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And, and they did not recognize. They didn't recognize him. Scripture says that they didn't recognize him, and I don't know why. Maybe it was because his resurrected body looked a little different than his human body. I don't know. 
Could be. I have no idea. Uh, all I know is that they didn't recognize him, and maybe uh, God had blinded their eyes for a purpose. Possible. So Jesus came, and he says, well, what are you talking about? And they told him. We, we saw the, the Lord, and we saw him crucified, and now we hear he's alive. Mm -hmm. And then here's what Jesus did. He began at Moses <laughs> and all the prophets, and he expounded unto them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. And you'll find that written in Luke chapter 24, 27. Boy, what a hike, Jesus, what a hike that I, must have been. <laughs> yeah, and then, so then, and when they got to Emmaus, you know, this they're quite a big sermon. Moses and the prophets, wowzer! And so, uh, and so they got to Emmaus and went to their house, and and they invited Jesus to, to come in and stay with them, and he did. And then the scripture tells us, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and brake and gave it to them. Mm -hmm. And their eyes were opened, <laughs> and they knew him. Yeah. And then, wham, he vanished out of their sight. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? You know, there's... And so these... There's the, uh, uh, let me just interject something here if I can, Pastor. Uh, sure. There is conjecture, and it is only conjecture, uh, as to why they didn't recognize him on a seven or eight mile hike uh, until the breaking of the bread and the conjecture and the when they saw what well uh, it could have been the conjecture is that when he passed them the bread they saw the nail prints in his hands that's exactly what I think I, I uh, it's, it's, con it's conjecture, sure. of course, but that's what I think. Well, it's backed up by some other scriptures when uh, when Thomas, the uh, doubting Thomas, couldn't uh, believe it was the Lord. That's right. And he says, "Look at my hands. That's right. Feel the scars. Mm -hmm. Look at the scars in my hands. Yep. Put your hand in my side." Mm -hmm. And then he said, <laughs> "And then he said, Lord, you know, <laughs> so but he needed proof." Right. And and I and I think you're right about that. I think you're totally right. So anyway, they they opened their and opened their eyes. They knew him, and he, he and he vanished out of their sight. And then they talked to one another. Um, and I'm believing I'm believing that uh, the other person was Cleopas's wife. And he's and they said this. Now I quote the scriptures. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? Mm -hmm. While he opened to us the scriptures, mm -hmm. yeah, preachers, yeah, teachers, believers, you want hearts to burn for the Lord? Use scriptural speech. That's right. You know, I'll never forget, and you know this. I've said it before. I'll never forget the day back in the 1970s when I was seated in the daily chapel service at Hiles Anderson College. The guest speaker, and I believe that day it was Myron Cedarholm, uh, used to be an All-American tackle at the University of Minnesota years ago. Anyway, I think he was a speaker, and that day he addressed the preacher boys in the audience and said something that still burns in my heart, Curtis. I can't, I, I can't get it out of my head. He said, young men, if God said it, stand up and speak up. 
And if God didn't say it, sit down and shut up. Right. Right. Scriptural speech. Mm-hmm. Scriptural speech. Number two, always use sound speech. And if you haven't guessed, all of these things will begin with the letter S. <laughs> because I'm addicted to alliteration. So anyway, sound speech. In Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, the Apostle Paul charges the young pastor to preach the word. But then he says this, be instant in season, out of season. Mm-hmm. What he means by that is whether it's convenient or whether it isn't. That's right. He says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Mm-hmm. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I think we're there. I'm afraid we are. Probably because there are not enough preachers who are still speaking. Right. Yep. They will, they will not endure sound doctrine. And then, and then the Apostle Paul t- t- tells Titus. In Titus 2.1, he says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, in Titus 2, verses 7 and 8, Paul gives this charge. He says, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, mm-hmm. showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech, which cannot be condemned. Right, right. Now, you notice in all of these references, sound speech goes hand in hand with sound doctrine. It sure does. We need, we need to study to show ourselves proved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that our speech will be doctrinally sound. Yes. And thus our speech will be sound. So that's it. Scriptural speech, sound speech. Now this one I have to chuckle at a little bit. I enjoyed, I enjoyed uh, doing this part of it. Number three, our speech should be seasoned speech. In Colossians four six, we read this: Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. Yep. Seasoned with salt. Curtis, are you still with me? I am. Uh, have you ever been to a restaurant where there wasn't any salt and pepper on the table? A couple of times, and I was a little upset about it. And then you asked for salt, didn't you? Sure did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, historically, salt has been used as a preservative for food. Uh, you still see, you read the, on your Del Monte cut green beans, you'll see that there's a certain amount of sodium in it. That's a salt. Yep. Yeah. So it's used as a preservative for food. And then it's to make food more palatable. Uh-huh. I don't know how, well, I don't know why, but uh, it seems like most foods, and especially vegetables, uh, and by the way, I don't think salt is going to help broccoli or cauliflower but anyway not so much no <laughs> but the salt is to make food more palatable um sharon you know is a person that can't eat anything unless she puts pepper on it and and, uh, <laughs> and, and i think she i think she'd eat a chocolate sundae with with pepper on it anyway <laughs> Ooh. oh no 
<laughs> but uh, but we're talking about salt uh, as a seasoning. And 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 Mark Chat and trust me, the Bible says more uh, than just. At Colossians 4, 6, and Mark 9, 50, it says salt is good. Mm-hmm. But if the salt have lost its saltness, mm-hmm. where will, wherewith shall you seaven it? Mm-hmm. Season it. Right. And that's, that's a rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. You're not seasoned. Right. Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. Mm-hmm. That's how to use seasoned speech mm-hmm. yeah moving quickly along number four we're supposed to use sanctified speech you know sanctification is a badly misused word in a lot of theological um, um, representations I, yeah I, yeah it, they it is sanctifi- yeah they, they, they think more of sanctification than they do salvation mm-hmm. uh, they think more about sanctification than they do service uh, but sanctification simply means purity. Yep. That means holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I am positionally sanctified because I believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Right. Uh, as I live, I'm, I'm being progressively more sanctified. It's a gradual process. It's a process. Then one day when I'm in heaven, I'll be perfectly sanctified. Amen. But, but that's not the case now. No. no. Okay? But here's what Colossians 3, 8 through 10 says. But now ye, talking to believers, now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your, oh, your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Right. Remove filthy communication out of your mouth. Now, I'm not talking about just cursing, not cussing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not talking about just four-letter words. I can remember... I can remember, and you probably can too. As you were growing up, I said more than once, I would say, don't you talk to your mother that way. Uh, I seem to to recall a few instances, yeah. (laughs) They weren't pleasant, were they? Not in the least little bit. No, but that was part of the discipline. You had to learn how to speak correctly. Right. out of your mouth that we just listed and and you can have sanctified speech filthy communication out of your mouth equals sanctified speech mm-hmm. number five always use studied speech you 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 quoted me i think last night on the telephone uh how many people uh, what percentage of uh, of believers are in their bible every day yeah, eight eight percent, according to uh, uh, the Barna Group. Eight percent. Eight percent of believers who read their Bible don't read it every day. I mean, are there are the eight percent read it every day, and the ninety-two percent don't. Mm-hmm. That's part of the problem it in is. the Christian world today. Yep. 
And, and it also doesn't help us in the secular world, does it? No, no. And so we have to use, ought to use, uh, scriptural speech, um, uh, sound speech, sanctified speech, seasoned speech. Now we have to use studied speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got this written down in one of my Bibles. Got it underlined and have an arrow drawn to this verse. And it's, a, it's Proverbs fifteen twenty eight, And it says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel embarrassed sometimes when somebody, maybe another believer, says, uh, Curtis, what does it mean to da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da? And, and whatever the question is, and you haven't studied it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh... Well, and when I was in the military, uh, we used to, they used to tell us, hey, if an officer or anybody else comes and asks you a question and you don't know the answer, you are to tell them, you know, I, I, forgive me, I do not know, but I will find it. And in order to do that, you had to start reading. Amen. That's right. That's right. I'm, you know, you were, you were one of my students in high school. Indeed. You know, one of the most que- and most asked questions by young people when they ask uh, uh, an older Christian, how can I know the will of God for my life? Mm-hmm. Yep. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, I've got an answer for that, and maybe we'll deal with it in one of our uh, subsequent uh, uh, sessions, because I've written a little booklet on it. Uh, and uh, by the way, these booklets aren't for sale. Uh, but anyway, we're going to try to correct uh, that. We're going to try to make them available. Uh, oh, oh, well, either either way. But I've got them written and printed out for my family and for my friends and for my yes, people that I know at church and so forth. So, but uh, I've written a book called The Will of God. But we're getting off, we're here getting off this subject a little bit. Let's get back to studied speech. Mm-hmm. Are the righteous study it to answer? Uh, Peter writes this in First Peter. Uh, chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always. What? Mm-hmm. Be ready always <laughs> to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Mm-hmm. Paul, and we'll go back to 2 Timothy 2.15, study. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. In other words, you better know the answers. That's right. you got to study to do that. Mm-hmm. And then he says, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm-hmm. you got to know what to say, how to say it, and where it should be used in context. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay? And I've told you, and I'll tell our listeners time and again. The three most important words in biblical hermeneutics, that is the interpretation of the scriptures, three most important words are context, context, context and, uh, and context. And context. context, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, study to show yourself approved unto God. Uh, and it does, then it says why? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Keep it in context. It needs to be studied. That means this talks about studied speech. Mm-hmm. 
if God said it, stand up and speak up. If God didn't say it, sit, sit down and shut up. And how would you know that if you're not in the Word of God? That's right. You need to be in the Word of God. That's right. Some years ago, I decided that I was going to read one of one chapter of the Proverbs every day of the month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did that for probably 10 years. I don't do it so much anymore. I still stay in the Proverbs, but, but since, since we started this podcast, i got to do some other studying, too. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, so there it is, studied speech. Mm-hmm. Now, here's number six. And, and I will start this out by saying sometimes we need to use strong speech. Mm-hmm. Yes. In Isaiah 50, Isaiah 58, 1, God commands Isaiah to do this. He says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Use strong speech, but understand. Mm-hmm. Understand the purpose. That's right. Understand the plan. You can't holler. All the time. You remember what Dr. Hiles used to preach? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He said when he started and when he when he preached his first sermon, he didn't know much about preaching. He just knew he wanted to. He just knew God called him and he wanted to preach. And he said, I just read a verse and holler, read a verse and holler, read a verse and holler. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It, yeah. Over the years, he became a little bit more sophisticated than that. Indeed. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah he did. You know, he, yeah, but he could he could sure raise his voice, couldn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, he he did with me uh, privately one time. Uh huh. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. And so, so anyway, so, so sometimes we need to use strong speech. Speech, but we need to know when. I've had some uh, sometime during my early part of my ministry as a pastor. Um, one one woman came to me and she said, "We like your." We like you, that you're so scriptural," she said. "But sometimes you seem like you're always angry." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was always crying aloud and sparing not. I guess lifting up my voice <laughs> like a trumpet. <laughs> but it was. But here's the purpose for that: sh- to show my people their transgression. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, did I? Did you? Did I ever take you aside and with a song, with a soft, sweet? Syrupy voice say, "Now, don't do that, Curdy." Yeah, I think when I was very, very small, but uh, that not <laughs> there weren't too many instances where that where that occurred. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was more like, "Don't do, don't do that." What did I tell you? Yeah, what did I tell you? <laughs> what did I, what did I say? Quite a bit. And I, when you said that, I could almost hear me doing it. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so sometimes we need to use strong speech. That's right. But let's let's go to that uh, number seven, which is soft speech. Mm-hmm. Oh. Proverbs fifty one says this: A soft answer turneth away wrath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, we shouldn't speak to tick people off. 
Yeah. You know, I, I hate to be so colloquial, but we, that, that shouldn't be the reason for uh, there are more, more often than not, we need to use soft speech, mm-hmm. a soft answer, turn it away around okay. uh, because, it, but, but if it's, if it's scriptural, sound, sanctified and seasoned, mm-hmm. then soft speech works. A soft answer, turn it away or I think the soft speech. I think the contemporary uh, uh, example of that would be you can catch more flies with honey than you can vinegar. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and by the way, I'm going to wash your mouth out of soap as soon as I see you. Anyway. <laughs> uh. Okay. A soft answer. Then, then let's that's that's soft speech. Now let number eight. Let's use satisfactory speech. Now, what mm-hmm. do you mean by that? Well, uh, all I can do is define it uh, by one of my favorite uh, scripture verses. Mm-hmm. It says this, and I and I, the reason it's my one of my favorites is because I have to go to this verse frequently if I'm going to be speaking to a crowd or even now to an audience that I don't even know. I have to use satisfactory speech. Mm-hmm. And and the book of Proverbs defines it. In Proverbs 25, 11, it says this, A word fitly spoken mm-hmm. is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Wow. Yeah. It's like a beautiful brooch. Yeah. An attractive earring. Mm-hmm. A beautiful uh, uh, ring. A word fitly spoken is like that. And so we ought to use satisfactory speech. Now we're moving right along, so I guess we're going to get finished with this so we can talk about uh, our next podcast. But let's finish up with number nine, secure speech. Mm -hmm. What What does that mean? What is something that's secure? Well, it's secure when you get when you've got it locked up, right? That's right. The bank keeps our money in its safe, and some people even rent uh, a a box, a, a safety box, safety deposit box, mm-hmm. and and they have the key, and then there's and then. The keeper of the of the boxes has a, also a key, and he takes both keys to open it because you want that whatever is in that box to be secure. Right. And our speech ought to be very secure. I'm going to go back to Psalm chapter 141, verse 3, which says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Mm-hmm. That's secure speech. Let's, let's just wear who? Scriptural speech? Sound speech? Seasoned speech? Sanctified speech? Studied speech? Strong speech? And soft speech? Satisfactory speech? And secure speech? All of these can be done if you pray Psalm 141 uh, verse 3 mm-hmm. and ask the Lord Direct your mouth rightly, all right? And that's what I was trying to do as a parent. That's what my parents tried to do as parents, to direct my mouth 
in the right direction. Now let's conclude this. I, I love this part of the scripture. Uh, I'll, draw, I'll draw your attention to, first of all, we'll do a brief synopsis of Acts chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas were preaching uh, lengthy messages in Antioch in Pisidia. And uh, they preached there on two successive Sabbaths. And the Gentiles who heard them uh, were glad. And many of them believed. Yeah. Acts chapter 13, 48 says that. Mm -hmm. But the Jews, and I'm not anti-Semitic. Right. I love the Jews. I do too. If my friends Michael Allspector and Gordon Wiss are listening today, uh, please know that I've always loved you. When, even when we were in high school, and uh, with regard, regard to Michael Allspector in grade school, I loved the Jews my parents told me to. But I have to say this because the scripture says it, but the Jews, they raised a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. Mm. Acts 13.50. They kicked them out of the country. Yeah, they did. Wow. I've never been kicked out of a church yet. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then, just to close this off, in Acts chapter 14, verse 1, after they, after they were, Paul and Barnabas were kicked out of the country, and they came to an Iconium, and it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews. Now, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. And so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. <laughs> Amen. Dear, dear believers, so speak. Yeah. And with that, I'm finished. Pastor, uh, <laughs> man, oh, man. Thank you again. I, you know, it, this this is a wonderful reminder of, of how we're to to uh, to speak to others uh, about the gospel in our day to day lives and and listen we it, we have to practice at this and study it uh, we do. but but we need to in order to become very good at it we need to be doing it every day we need to be conscious of it every day and uh, you've outlined nine great points here about what our speech is supposed to be. And, and uh, uh, I, I, I confess that, uh, that there have been times, and, and probably too many of them, uh, in my life where either my speech may have been too strong or, or too soft, uh, and maybe it wasn't quite satisfactory. And uh, I, you know, I, I've asked for forgiveness about those things, and uh, I, I, I pray that uh, that my shortcomings uh, in in where this subject is concerned uh, did not cost somebody the opportunity to believe, and and uh, that's why this is so critically important. Um, so I, I thank you, Pastor, for for uh, for today's lesson, and uh, it's it's a great great reminder of of how we're to to speak to others. Uh, Amen. At this point, let's uh, that we've, we've now that we've wrapped this up, uh, we should probably remind our listeners that uh, we will have another podcast upcoming this Tuesday, uh, and we are going to be 
discussing uh, something that is very, um, I, I guess I want to use the word germane, uh, to things that are happening right now in, in the world uh, politically, um, especially in this country. Uh, right now we have uh, some, an election kerfuffle. And I, I've always liked that word kerfuffle, and I don't know why. But Can you spell it? Uh, K-E-R-F-U-F-F-L-E. How would I know? I don't know. I've never looked that one up either. All I, all, all I know is it means, there, there's hey, there's trouble afoot. And uh, yeah. if you're following uh, our election here in the United States right now, uh, you, you're aware that there's a lot of consternation uh, about who has won this election. Uh, I have my own yeah. personal opinion on that, um, but I want to try to keep my personal opinion out of it. Uh, but we need to, to understand why this is happening. And uh, yeah. we're going to discuss that uh, Tuesday. Uh, in fact, I, I think we're going to entitle Tuesday's segment, Spiritual Wickedness in High Places. Yeah. Spirit. Let me read the scripture. Okay, are you, are you, are you there? No, you, go ahead. Go ahead, Pastor. It's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, mm -hmm. but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, That's right. against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I think that's what the title of it's going to be, Spiritual Wickedness in High Places. That's right. Yeah. And when you're talking about who won this election, it looks like America has lost. That's that's the sentiment uh, right now in a, in a lot of camps. Okay. Uh, and, uh, but we're going to talk about this and discuss it uh, because I think it is a, 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 an incredibly important subject to discuss. Uh, I think we've been blind, uh, especially in the Christian community. Uh, overall, we've been blind. Uh, we haven't spoken up when we needed to. We've, lot of, we, we've allowed a lot of uh, corruption uh, to infiltrate uh, and decimate our, our system of government, and more importantly, our 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 belief systems, and uh, yeah. so we need to we need to take a hard look at it and discuss this thing rationally, scripturally, honestly, and uh, we're going to attempt to do that on Tuesday when we talk about yeah. spiritual wickedness in high places. Yeah, and I told you before, I want to be as as apolitical in these conversation as is possible, but there's sometimes when we have to. We have to address it at times, and, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, even Christ uh, admonished us to, to pay attention to government. Pay attention yeah. to it. That's right. He's the one that instituted human government, yeah. and, and so we yeah. are to pay attention to it, and we are to address some things when we need to. That's right. So we're not even going to talk about uh, what spiritual wickedness in high places is. We're going to talk about how to combat it in that, our lives. That's right. As, as believers and how we ought to. 
And so um, please uh, tune in. Um, I, uh, again, I don't want to be super political, but there's spiritual wickedness in more than political places. No doubt. There is spiritual wickedness in pastoral places. Yes. I I know of three pastors now that uh, I never thought it would happen, mm-hmm. but they got overcome with pride, yeah. and they had morphed into adultery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's regardless of how it happened, it's still wickedness. Sure is. And it's spiritual wickedness. Yeah. And if you're a pastor, it's in high places. Certainly is. So, and and since I've been in in the pastorate, I've had to, I've had to watch it. I must I must confess there are, sure. there are terrible temptations that befall uh, the preachers of the word, and and uh, so we're going to talk about how we can withstand. That's right. In the and, evil uh, day, so, yeah, and and, and, they, I, and having having done all to stand, that's yeah, right. we're we're there in that's the right. evil day. I mean, you can see it happening and. And that's yep. why that's why it's so important that we discuss it, and and uh, and we will do that on Tuesday. Um, and we will give it a we will give it a super scriptural look. Absolutely, absolutely, as always. And so at at, at this point, I think we're going to wrap up today's segment, Pastor. Thank you once again. Um, really appreciate what you do, and uh, and it's always well, thank you for the privilege. It, it's always a blessing to me to to be able to do this with you and. And uh, I pray that the Lord gives us more opportunity and, and blesses, uh, blesses our listeners richly for it. Um, so, okay. so we're going to wrap it up for today. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to tune in Tuesday. Check for the podcast Tuesday. I think you're going to find it very interesting uh, and, and hopefully uh, uplifting as far as uh, where hope is concerned because we do have a blessed hope in Jesus Christ. So please tune in and join us Tuesday as we discuss spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in today, and we pray that today's podcast has been a blessing to you. Um, so for now, we are going to sign off, and uh, we'll say we'll see you again on Tuesday. Be sure and tune in. Thank you so much for listening. Pastor, thank you, and we're signing off for today. God bless.